Now that the draft is over and we're getting ready to kick off rookie camp, let's take a look at the Green Bay Packers roster. Where are they better, potentially? Where are they worse? And what does that tell us about the direction of this team moving forward? All of that on today's show. Caught by Watson. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast now. And he will score. Your team every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. I want to look at the Green Bay Packers roster because they've had the draft. We don't know how these players are going to turn out. We don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know what kind of role they're going to fill on this team. We have some ideas. But I thought it would be a useful exercise as we go into this year. And part of this was kicked off by, you know, some some bad faith discussions on Jets Twitter about the Packers roster versus the Jets roster. This idea that the Jets roster is better than any Packers roster that Aaron Rodgers has ever had, which is just like an absolute laughable joke. Like it is preposterous on a level I can't even comprehend. But we're not going to get into that. Um, Jets fans, sup? I know you're still here. Uh, because you absolutely love to still be here. They they love to be in, in my mentions. They love to be in Packer fans' mentions. I've seen it not just with me all over the place. What's up? Um, but I also wanted to do this exercise because we are coming out of the draft and there's this idea of, okay, what direction is this team going? We know they're, they're probably not going to be a, a competitive team in terms of competing for a Super Bowl this season, but they were fourth in NFC North odds going into the draft. Now on FanDuel, they are now second ahead of the Vikings and the Bears. On other sports books, they have much longer odds. But I think this is indicative of where this is going to go. I think it is going to become clear that this roster is better than people realized. Or at least you you go, well, this team was being buoyed by Aaron Rodgers. And that's just not true. Now, everydayers, people who have been with this show a number of years especially, will know that I thought this team was, you know, borderline Super Bowl worthy last year. And by roster, it was. And I, I went out of my way to say, if the defense does not play at a top 10 kind of level, it is a disappointment because that's the kind of talent this team has. That is true. That was right. Guys on this team like Eric Stokes did not play to their ability. Devondre Campbell did not hold up after an all-pro season. Darnell Savage got benched. He was supposed to be a core member of this team. Adrian Amos was a, a, a significant step back from what he had been. Quay Walker was not the guy the Packers thought they were getting as a rookie. Devontae Wyatt couldn't get on the field or they wouldn't play him. It's hard to know exactly the chicken or the egg there. But this defense did not live up to its potential. And I think offensively, you go, okay, for all the issues that we had 
all season with the structure of it, the push-pull between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur about what was best for this team about versus what Aaron Rodgers wanted. This was a top 12 offense. It was a really good running game, even if they were unable to stick to it because they weren't able to be in some of these games. They had to pass the ball to get back in it, or they had to pass the ball to try and go win it at the end in games that they really should have been able to hold leads better than they did. And part of that is because in a game like the Giants game, they didn't stick with what was working. And Rodgers wanted to play hero ball. JT O'Sullivan did a video on this talking about what he called buddy ball and pointed out some examples from the Lions game where you go, okay, the, the concept is not red like this. So why is the ball going to Alan Lazard in almost every case? It's going to Alan Lazard. And so I wanted to try and take an objective look at this roster, where it stands and what that means for where it's going. Offensively, the offensive line is the same, at least for now. It's David Bakhtiari, all pro. It's Elton Jenkins, who's a Pro Bowl caliber player. It's Josh Myers, who had an up and down rookie season and then had a mostly down second season, but coming off injury. They have high expectations for Josh Myers. He had a really good camp last year and then it didn't translate. I, I sort of don't know what to make of him, but they clearly like him enough that they didn't really do anything along the offensive line. You've got John Runyon Jr., who's a really solid pass blocker and just an okay run blocker. And then you have the combination of Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. I assume Zach Tom is going to win that starting job, but that doesn't mean that Yash Nyman is not a future starter on this team because if David Bakhtiari is on this team this year, it is almost certainly his last season in Green Bay. So they're probably going to be better offensive line-wise this year versus last year, because Elton Jenkins is going to start the season, barring a new injury. David Bakhtiari managed this ACL and this post-ACL life uh, last year. We don't know if it's going to be better or worse, but at least he has experience managing it now. Zach Tom has a year under his belt. Year two is when teams or players, excuse me, tend to make the biggest jump. And he was a, a the best rookie pass protector in the league last year. So if he can take another step forward, this offensive line is better. You add in the depth that they already have. Royce Newman is not a starting caliber offensive lineman. He's a really nice backup to have. Jake Hansen is not a starting caliber offensive lineman. Well, I think he, no, nah, I don't, I can't make the case for Jake Hansen. I don't get it. I don't get it. But um, Rashid Walker showed some really nice things in the preseason at the end last year. Came on strong at the end. I think he has an opportunity to, to compete for this swing tackle job in 2024 and beyond. This offensive line is going to be just as good, if not better, than it was last year. The same is true with the running back position. Now, we don't know what kind of atrophy they're going to get out of someone like Aaron Jones, who is, you know, getting older. He's not yet, you know, hit that magic number that starts with a three for running backs. So that's good for him. In fact, I think there's only two players on this roster who are 30 years old. Two position players, Pat O'Donnell is, but like he's a punter, doesn't count. He can punt at least 50. It's Preston Smith and David Bakhtiari. I, I think that's it. I think that's it. This is a really young team. But so the backfield is going to be just as good. And you hope A.J. Dillon can start the way that he finished last year. He got off to a slow start last year, maybe put on a little too much weight. 
he was rocked up to start the year and it seemed like he he got a little bit more explosive as the year went on and that's that can that can happen because you spend your whole offseason you're lifting you're you're bulking potentially and then during the season you just can't get those lifts in the same kind of way you can't lift for 2 3 hours a day when you're coming off a game your body's recovering and you have practice you just can't do it and so i think it actually was a benefit to him that he wasn't able to do that because he he started to look as the season wore on more and more like the old AJ Dillon now, the tight end position is an interesting one because if they re-sign Mercedes Lewis, I think you can make the case that this is a better tight end room. It is unquestionably more talented. The combination of Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft just gives you so much more upside and juice than Big Bob Tunyon. And even if you add Mercedes Lewis, now Lewis his value is as a blocker and as a mentor and a veteran. And I think you can make the case that, that he still makes a lot of sense on this team. But even if he's not on the roster, from a passing game, like from a pure talent standpoint, this often this tight end room is going to be better talent-wise, not on the field. And that is an important distinction to make. Just because they have better talent doesn't mean they will be better. We saw that on defense last year. I just got done complaining about it. Just because you have a better talent set doesn't mean you get better, unfortunately. Now, the receiver one is another interesting one because your top two receivers are back, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, with Alan Lazard going to New York. I don't think the difference, the net difference between Jaden Reed and, and Randall Cobb is really that big, in part because I expect Jaden Reed the probability of Jaden Reed playing 17 games is so much higher than Randall Cobb in a given season playing 17 games. And so even if he's not quite as good a player as a rookie, the upside there is higher and the likelihood of him playing all these games is greater. You hope Christian Watson takes a step. You hope Romeo Dobbs takes a step. You hope Samori Toure takes a step. You add in Grant DeBose and, and Dontavian Ditwicks. I think this is a more talented receiver room than it was last year. But again, is it a better one? This leads to some questions we're going to ask in the next segment, but they're more talented. Unquestionably more talented than they were last year. What does that talent look like on the field? That we have to find out. And then maybe the only question in all of these that matter, Jordan Love. And we got the details on his incentives. They're going to be hard to earn because a lot of them are tied to team performance. Um, if he plays 65% of snaps, he gets 500 grand. You know, if the team goes to the, he wins a playoff game, he gets a lot of money for that. If they go to the Super Bowl, conference championship, like those are big incentives he's probably not going to earn. But then he gets 500 grand each for things like being top 16 in passer rating. 16. Those incentives are not going to be that hard to hit. Davis Mills was top 16 in passing yards. Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, those guys were top 16 in passer rating. Like, it's not going to be that hard for him to do it. And I've been saying if he can just play at the level Aaron Rodgers did, I think there's there's good reason to believe he can do that. He's going to hit, he's going to get two and a half, three million in those incentives. Now he can make more than that, up to nine. So he's probably not going to get to that $20 million mark that he was going to be able to make, but... I still think the contract makes sense from both sides. I'm not going to say Jordan Love is an upgrade on Aaron Rodgers because 
In a vacuum, it's not. Now, is it is Jordan Love potentially better than the version of Aaron Rodgers we saw last year? And that's the question. I think that's the bar. The, the, the bar is not, can he play like an MVP? Because it's just not reasonable to expect that. Can he play like Rodgers in 2008? Can he play like Rodgers in 2022 or 2015? One of these lesser versions of Aaron Rodgers as he's learning the position. If he can. If he's, if he's 2008 Rodgers, he's better than the Rodgers we saw last year. Again, this is not like me trying to you know, crap on Aaron Rodgers, we just know his level of play last year was not where we have expected it. It is in fact a compliment to him that over the course of his career, he has been so great. You know, I've seen a lot of people mention that, uh, you know, a down year for me is a career year for a lot of other guys. Unquestionably, the worst year of Aaron Rodgers' career would be a career year for Jordan Love because he's never had a year. So there's the potential of having a better season I can't say you upgraded. I can't, just can't do that. It's not in not in good conscience. I can't say that. But do I think that there is a reasonable opportunity here for him to actually play better than Aaron Rodgers did last year? Yeah, I do think that is a reasonable thing to say. All right, we're going to get to the defense and more coming up in a second. Before we do, looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever that's built. I eat them every day. I have a um, hospital bag packed to go because my wife is due any day. And guess what's in there? Built Bars. I have a couple different flavors. I got cookies and cream puff. I got peanut butter puff. I've got the chocolate mint puff. All of them are spectacular. And I eat them every day, whether I'm at home, whether I'm on the go. That's just they're just a part of my routine because they taste delicious, covered in 100% real chocolate, but they hit the macros. It's not a snack that I have to feel guilty about having. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. I haven't memorized at this point because I eat them so often. I know what I'm putting into my body every single time. And I order mine at Built.com because I like the specialty flavors. I like the new drops, all the cool stuff that they do there. But I can go to Walmart and get them. Go to Sam's Club and just pick them up. Big boxes of them. So I recommend that you do the same. Go check it out. You have to try the best tasting protein bar ever. And that's Built Bar. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Everydayers, next week on the show, more on our rookie orientation series and the latest from rookie camp, which is starting right now. The rookies are here. They're in Lambeau. They've been at the facility. Um, this weekend, we're going to see the camp and then um, in a couple of weeks, they will be back on the field for OTAs, for mandatory mini camps, all that good stuff. Locked on Packers will be there with you every step of the way. And now Locked on Packers is on Sirius XM. Go check us out. You can find all of our episodes, no additional charge, on Sirius XM. So defensively, defensively, this team is mostly the same. Uh, they're going to swap out Devontae Wyatt for Dean Lowry. That is an upgrade. And when you add in Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, and Lucas Van Ness, the defensive line is just objectively better this year than it was last year. Definitely more talented, but I just think better. I just think flat better. Now on the edge, same thing. 
because Rashawn Gary is on the team. We expect him to play next year. You add Lucas Van Ness. Carl Brooks might line up on the outside sometimes. King, Kingsley and Igbari in year two. And Preston Smith was still a really solid player last year, still only 30 years old. He's got another two, three, four good years of football left, especially now that you're adding someone like Lucas Van Ness. You take the burden off Preston Smith. He can be more a more situational player. Someone who's great for the culture in your locker room. This edge group is better, not just more talented, better. Like guys like Jonathan Garvin are not going to have to play. Guys like Justin Hollins are going to be nice to haves, not need to haves. Someone like Kingsley and Igbari, once Rashawn Gary comes back, same thing. A nice to have, not a need to have. And all of a sudden, you're going to have five, six deep at outside linebacker. Inside linebacker, it's the same guys. You hope Devondre Campbell plays a little closer to that all-pro Devondre Campbell than he did last year, not having to babysit Quay Walker. And that's not even a knock on Quay Walker. He's a rookie. You just can't throw that much on his plate. You hope he takes a step forward. You hope he's able to rein in his emotions a little bit more on the field so he's not getting these silly penalties. We saw the light start to turn on for him in the second half of last year when the Packers went on that winning streak. That's when Quay Walker really started to play. I mean, I don't mean on the field. He was playing the whole season. I mean, really start to look like a player. And then in the last game of the season, the most important game of the season, couldn't keep his cool. You have to hope that he takes that next step in maturity. Now, the secondary with, with the corners. It's essentially the same guys. We don't know what Eric Stokes, his status health-wise is going to be, but you have Jair Alexander, you have Russell Douglas. You feel like you're in a really good position with those guys. I think Keyshawn Nixon, he did some really nice things in the slot. I kind of didn't understand putting Darnell Savage there under other than you felt like you needed to get him on the field somewhere. And then Keyshawn was having this, this great role returning kicks and you kind of wanted to save him for that, I guess. But now we know Darnell Savage is going back to safety. So now you have essentially the same guy that was playing safety there last year. You bring back Rudy Ford in year two. You hope that with some experience and some confidence being instilled in him, that, that he can be a little better. I thought he had some, he did some nice things last year, was not consistent, but again, he had to start multiple games for this team because Darnell Savage was not good enough. And then he got benched and Darnell Savage had to go back and all that stuff. They add Tarvarius Moore. They add Anthony Johnson. There's, there is more depth on this team than there was a year ago, but you lose Adrian Amos. Now, Adrian Amos was not good last year. And no one is a bigger fan of Adrian Amos than I am. I was calling for the Packers to sign him in that, in that spring of 2018. I was thrilled when they did. And I insisted that in 19, 20, and even in 21, he was one of the best safeties in football, an underrated player. He's been an underrated player his entire career. Last year was just objectively his worst as a Packer, which part of that is because he was so good those first three seasons that it's just hard to be at the level that he was. Do you want him back? That's a question we're going to talk about at the end here. So I can't say the safety position is better, but it's definitely deeper. Like the starters, you're not getting, like Tavares Moore is not going to give you what Adrian Amos did in 19 and 20. He's just not in all likelihood going to be able to do that. But Anthony Johnson is so much better than like a Will Redman in terms of depth. 
And if Rudy Ford is going to be your third safety, that's what he was last year. And so, and I like, I like James Wiggins, who they brought in. I think there's some, some ability there. We'll see if he makes this team. And then I, I, I should mention Corey Ballantyne, special teams player. Really nice, really nice special teams player. He's back. And then just to make things very confusing, Carrington Valentine was a player who some thought was a top 100 kind of pick, a third, fourth kind of round guy. Press man corner. The Packers somehow get in the seventh round. Their seventh round, like six, seven, to get Carl Brooks in the sixth, Anthony Johnson in the seventh, Carrington Valentine in the seventh, Grant DuBose in the seventh, it's kind of incredible that they were able to do that. They have better depth at corner now than they did last year. They have better depth at safety now than they did last year. Now, the, the top line players at safety, not as good. We think. Let's see what Tervarius Moore looks like in a more full-time role. Maybe he can step up and play better than Adrian Amos last year, but and maybe he can be better than Adrian Amos was or would be this year. But that leads a lot of questions about how to handle some of these positions. And there's a handful of them that I want to talk about. Before we get there, thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Uh, check out Locked on Bucks. The, the Bucks just fired Mike Budenholzer. And so there is a lot to talk about on the Locked on Bucks feed. And check out Locked on Sports today. It is our all sports show. It's Beyond the headlines and box scores with the biggest stories in sports. I host it. It's a great time. It is to get you caught up every single morning to what you missed overnight. The biggest stories in sports. Go check it out wherever you get podcasts. Now, this all raises a question. I think this roster is objectively more talented. Talented. Not better. Talented. More talented than it was last year. So, how do you balance finding more proven players at some of these positions with giving your young guys a chance? And so here's, I think, the most fundamental place to start. You don't have to sign a veteran just to sign a veteran, especially at positions where you have, you know, some sort of like mid-tier aged guys. Like corner, Russell Douglas is not some like grizzled Charles Woodson in 2012 veteran, but he's been around. Jair Alexander now is on his second contract. He's been around. Keyshawn Nixon even. He, these are veteran players. So you don't need a veteran just to have a veteran. Darnell Savage is a veteran. Rudy Ford is a veteran. Tarvarius Moore is a veteran. You don't need to add a veteran just to add one. If you're going to add one, he needs to be at its most fundamental additive in some way. He needs to be the kind of player that is not going to take away from the development of your young players. So I think someone like Adrian Amos is a really good player to have on your team because I don't think any of the other safeties on the team are better than him. 
Like he would, John Johnson the third, same deal. He is better than the guys you currently have on the roster. Point blank, period. And you don't have anyone that you've in invested significant capital to fill that spot. Yes, Darnell Savage was a first round pick once upon a time, but now you're talking about Anthony Johnson Jr. You're talking about basically vet and minimum, Tarverius Moore. Like these are not guys that you are slotting in, no doubt are going to give get an opportunity to play for you. So safety is the kind of spot where I think a veteran makes a lot of sense. Tight end. You have these two guys who are balls of clay. Tight end takes time. I think it would be great. And I think it would actually be more important for this Packers team to re-sign a player like Mercedes Lewis, a veteran who is not just a veteran, but who is additive in that when he's playing, he's going to be the best blocker at tight end on this team from day one easily. Interior, he has got intimate knowledge of this Packers offense and can help these young guys come along. These are big investments from your tight ends. Having someone like Mercedes Lewis allows you to bring these guys along and have an extra coach on the field, but someone who is not just a coach. He's not just a mascot. He can actually help these guys Develop. Now, receiver is a different kind of thing because Christian Watson, year two, he knows this offense. He's been in it now. You're a veteran in year two. Romeo Dobbs, you got to know it now. Samori Toure, Bo Melton, you got to know it now. Is it better? Jaden Reed is a second round pick. So you could, you could bring in a guy like Corey Davis. Certainly, and, and he's probably better right away than Jaden Reed or Dontavian Wicks or Grant DuBose. But remember what I said about the safety position, that they didn't have anybody better and they didn't draft anyone to fill that spot. That is the key difference at safety. That's why I think a veteran safety makes sense. And then the, the developmental arc of tight end leads me to say, it would be nice to have a veteran there. At receiver, I'm kind of good. Like, I, I thought it made sense for, for Corey Davis to be in this trade. He wasn't. If they're not going to cut him, fine. The guys that are out there do not move me. And if it is the case that Jordan Love is going to get two years runway, his, you know, some of his 2024 salary is guaranteed. All those incentives that he can earn this year are going on his salary. He is in all likelihood, unless the Packers just absolutely go like, three and 14, he is probably going to be the quarterback in 2024. These guys can grow together. You think Christian Watson can be a legit number one receiver in the NFL. Guys like Chris Olave, guys like Garrett Wilson, who weren't hurt as much as Watson was early in his career. They're being viewed as legit number ones. And so I think we have to view Christian Watson that way. You have now Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs. That is a very talented young core. You've added these day three guys who are also, in my mind, extremely talented. Not, you know, premium picks to be sure, but I think the kind of like Dontavian Wicks, I had a third round grade on, fourth round grade on. Greg Dubose, I had a fourth round grade on. They get them in the seventh round. These are guys that are going to make the NFL team. They're going to make the Green Bay Packers and they're going to have a chance to play. 
I personally would rather see them play. Now you have a couple injuries, especially to Christian Watson, and you might be in trouble, but I'm fine elevating Romeo Dobbs. I'm fine giving more opportunities to Jaden Reed. I'm fine giving more opportunities to Dontavian Wicks. You now have these other guys. It's not like if someone gets hurt, you have to elevate Jared Boykin. And that's not even shade at Jared Boykin, who was a longtime NFL player. Um, but he just doesn't have, he didn't never really had, except for the, those first year or two, that developmental upside. He looked like a really, he could be a really nice player. And eventually it became clear. He just, there just wasn't as much there as we thought. Again, no shade to him personally. But you have these rookies now who they have upside. And maybe they're bad. Maybe they're bad. In, in fact, in all likelihood, they will not be good. But we don't know that yet. And we don't know which ones won't be good. And so giving them the opportunity, I think to me, is what I would rather see. Now, if you have the chance, someone cuts a player that you think would really help your team, go sign them. But I don't want to sign a veteran at the risk of stunting the development of my players. I only want to sign a veteran who can help the development of my younger players. This is not a rebuild, despite what people, some people want to say. This is a, a not even a reset. This is a transition. It's a retool on the fly. Because we just went through the list of, of positions where they're as good or better than last year. It's most of them. The, the big question is that quarterback, and you've invested heavily in pass catchers to try and buoy that quarterback who you're now giving two years to go prove himself. So I'm fine playing with the young players at some of those positions. I do think at safety and tight end, it makes sense to go get a veteran to help some of the young players, especially at tight end, where you have made these big investments that they can be force multipliers for the talent influx that you've already put together. All right, we're going to be back next week. So much more to come here on Locked on Packers. Talk about what we saw at rookie camp, um, what's coming up at mini camp, where the Packers can still potentially add if there's more players out there. We'll see what those opportunities are. And we're still putting together rookie orientation series. We're putting together the Aaron Rodgers Greatest Moments series. So all of that coming up on your feed. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, when we are on YouTube, go subscribe to our YouTube page, Locked on Packers on YouTube, so you can stay Locked on Packers. 